Most of you. Luke 15, 1 through 24, this is what it says. Then drew near unto them all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man received sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons, persons which need no repentance. Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he, and he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with rituous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But he, when he was yet a great far way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in the, thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you came for the sinner, that you came for us, Lord, in our sin. Lord, we get sinned against you, but you came nonetheless. We pray today that you would anoint our pastor to preach the word of God to us this morning, that he have liberty and anointing to do so, and that we be ready to receive that which you have for us today. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I bind every principality, power, and ruler of darkness that's against this uh, service this morning. We shall have liberty to hear the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? If you believe that, just give the Lord praise. Break through the atmosphere. Amen. The enemy cannot stop the word of the Lord from going out here today. He may oppose, he may try, he may fight, he may try to distract, but I'm here to tell you the word that the Lord has sent will do its work and accomplish that in which the reason he sent it. Amen. 
in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to be preaching a mini-sermon, a mini-series on this passages of Scripture in Luke chapter 15 for the next few weeks. I'm going to have to miss one week because I'm going to have to be out of town, and I'll come back and I'll pick up on it. Years ago, I preached this series, and I've kind of redone some of it, different things, but the Lord just laid it in my heart very heavily, and I couldn't get away from it, so I'm going to try to obey the Lord here, and we're going to do this series uh, for the next few weeks. Within our text, we see what we call three parables. Uh, parables is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's where Jesus takes something that you can relate to on earth and then he applies spiritual application to it so that you can understand the things of the spirit. He tries to break it down in simplicity so that you might be able to understand what he's saying. Many historians actually place these three parables as one single parable to show the difference in the way that God views and deals with different types of people groups. It is here in Luke 15 that Jesus just goes from one story right into another without any introduction, without any explanation of any kind of change. For example, he starts out in that chapter and he says, this parable spanked Jesus unto them. And then he goes and he gives you all three of those parables. Usually when Jesus done that in scripture, it would always do this. He would speak a parable, then he would stop and then it would say, and another parable spoke he unto them. And then he would speech on that or teach on that or expound on that parable and when he got done it would say and another parable spoke he unto them but here you do not see that he put them together so that we could see how he deals, contends or disciplines the different behaviors of believers and did you hear what I said and believers, now I know that in that scripture they're referred to as sinners but how many know that sometimes believers can sin and they need to be forgiven of their sin just like a sinner needs to be forgiven of their sin. How many knows that believers can fail? How many knows that believers can make mistakes? How many knows that believers have to repent just like a sinner has to repent? Can I have an amen in this house? But though we are all believers and we've been born into the kingdom of God, yet there are different levels of maturity in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the church, and God deals and responds to us on the basis of our understanding, on the basis of our maturity. God deals with each of us differently, not because he shows favoritism, but he makes us accountable to our level of our maturity and our understanding. He makes us accountable to what we have come to know and what we have experienced. How many knows that knowledge brings accountability? Knowledge brings accountability. And you and I will stand accountable for the things that you we have come to know about and the things that we have experienced. Matthew 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin unto him. That's what the Bible says. If there's something that I know that I need to be doing and I'm not doing, if there's something that I know that is good for me to do and I do not do it, it becomes sin according to the scripture because of the level of my knowledge. There is more required of the man that knows than the man that does not know. Can I have an amen? Understanding again brings accountability. Listen to what Luke chapter 12 verse 48 says. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes for unto whosoever much is given of him shall 
be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they shall ask the more. Now this is why that you cannot discipline everyone the same within the church. This is why that sometimes you cannot have a set system or a certain law that applies to each failure that men and women may do. Because though the same failure may occur, yet there can be a difference in the individual of why that that happened and different people are on different levels. And even though the failure has to be dealt with, because the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 verse 30, and the times of ignorance God winked at, but now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Ignorance of the law does not make us free from the law or free from the correction of the law, but the level of punishment may not always be the same for the breaking of that law with each other. For example, Jesus made it clear that there are people that will be beaten with fewer stripes than others that committed the very same sin. And there will also be people that he will expect more out of than he does others. Do you know as we gather together in this building, we're all on different levels of maturity. We all have experienced different things. We all have received different levels of knowledge. And when Christ comes in this building, he then begins to look at different people differently and judge them differently, deals with them differently on the basis of their maturity. How many believe that? Can I have an amen? He will discipline us according to our maturity and according to our personality, according to our attitude, according to our heart. There are many different factors when it comes to this thing called discipline. For example, if I'm going to discipline one of my children, I want you to know something. If he's got a bad attitude, I'm going to beat the snot out of him. Amen? Oh, Jonathan always used to say, Ben, if you'll just put on a good front and cry a little bit, dad will go a lot easier on you. Amen? I have three boys. I love them the same, but I do not always discipline them the same. I discipline them according to their age, according to their understanding, according to their personality, according to their spirit, and according to their mindset. There were times when all three of my boys may have done wrong and even done the exact same sin, but I did not always punish them the same. For example, Ben at the age of 10, John at the age of 8, Samuel at the age of 4, got a BB gun, shot a window out. Now, who am I going to discipline all four, uh, three of those boys the same way? No. Why? Because it was Ben and John, the older ones, that influenced the younger when Ben and John knew better, but Samuel did not know better. Now, I've always had them two older boys say, you baby Sam, but you, we, he gets by with murder, but we don't get by with nothing. But the truth of the matter is I disciplined them according to their age, according to their, their uh, knowledge, and then little Sam at four did not know any better. Can I tell you this as well? There are times that you discipline one person according to his spirit and another person according to their spirit. One may be meek and one may need to be a little bit stubborn and you deal with the stubborn person different than you deal with the meek person. Because you can destroy them. If I would have disciplined Ben the same way I disciplined John, I would have destroyed Ben. If I would have disciplined John the same way I would have disciplined Ben, I would have destroyed John. Because their personalities are totally different. And that's how God, when he comes down, he disciplines you according to the way that is best fit for you to learn. And he's not going to treat you like he treats everybody else. 
Have you ever looked around and says, why does it seem like God is so uh, patient with them? Why do they seem to get by with so much blah, blah, blah? And every time I just step out of line for a minute, the Lord just comes and grabs a hold of me and shakes me. How many's ever felt that way? Come on, some of you have surely felt that way because I know that I have. It's because God loves you and God knows how to discipline you and he is a great corrector and do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Can I have an amen? But there is no set system, there's no set rule, there's no set punishment for each offense in Scripture because all people are not on the same level or in the same place or even in the same position. Because I want to tell you, when you begin to get into a position of leadership, to whom much is required, to whom much is known, much, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And you know, everybody wants to be the top leader, but I want to tell you something. The more that you begin to progress in the spirit and the more leadership you take on, the more responsibility and the more accountability you have on your life. Amen? This is why there's a difference in the degrees of correction taken by churches when the same offense is being committed by different people. A lot of people think that, oh, well, they have favoritism. It isn't that one was treated unfairly or that one was loved more than the other one. The difference could have lied in the attitude of the person, the heart of the person, the reason they done it, the position, the level of maturity, the level of knowledge, the people that were involved. And how many knows when it comes to discipline, you really have to have the discernment of the Lord. You can say, well, that person lied and that person lied the same lie. Well, I want you to know that does not mean that the level of punishment is going to be the same for both of them, though the same offense was committed. I'm going to try to teach you something here today. Jesus began to show us the different types of people in our parable and how that he actually responds to them. There are actually going to be three different categories. Actually, there's going to be four. I don't know if I'm going to preach the fourth one as of yet. I haven't felt led one way or the other. But there are actually, in Luke chapter 15, four people groups that he deals with. And he's going to show us the difference of the major different areas of the church and how he disciplines the church as a whole. First of all, within our text, we see three parables. There's the parable of the sheep. There's the parable of the coin, and there's the parable of the prodigal son. And we see that each of these stories have one thing in common, there's something lost. Have you ever had something lost or have you ever been lost? Have you lost your direction? Have you lost your bearing? Have you lost your influence? Whatever it may be. But there is a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and there is a, a lost son in this passages. Another thing that I want you to notice about all three of these parables and what they have in common is that they all reveal relationship. In the parable of the sheep, there is a shepherd. In the parable of a coin, there is an owner or a lord of that coin. In the parable of the son, there is a father. So this is denoting that in every single one of these parables, one something is lost and there is a relationship tied to that which was lost. In all three of the parables, you will see that they are not talking about the sinner as most people believe, but they're talking and referring to the believer himself. We must also take notice that God uses different things to describe his people, such as one is called a sheep, one is called a coin, and one is called a son. Yet even so, he also, God the Father, changes roles in how he deals with each one of them. He deals with one as a shepherd. He deals with one as a land owner. 
Lord or an owner, and he deals with another one as a father. And there's a difference in the way that a father deals with his son than the way a shepherd deals with his sheep and the way that a Lord deals with a coin. Come on, somebody say amen. The first parable that is mentioned in our text is the lost sheep. That's the one I'm going to focus on just here for a few moments today. This is very heavy upon my heart because we do have different people groups. We do have different people on different levels. We have a lot of diversity in our church. Our church is rather great, uh, of a great size. So the more diversity you have, you've got to understand that everybody's on different planes. Last week when I preached about the tabernacle of David, there were people here that they thought... Uh, they thought, I have no idea what that man meant. I have no idea what he's talking about because they're not schooled within scripture. But today it's a very basic, very ABC message and they're going to get something out of it. And God has laid this so heavily on my heart. And when he did, I got excited because when God places something on your heart, you know he's after some people. You know that he's on the move. I like that uh, Narnia movie where the, the lion, I forget his name, but it says he's, he's on the move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I just tell you through a prophetic word right here just for a moment that God is on the move and he's on the move on your behalf. Can I have an amen? Woo-hoo. Yes, he's on the move on your behalf. That's a great thing. The first thing that we see is the love that the shepherd has for this sheep. The shepherd's not willing that any one of his sheep should be lost from his fold. Isn't that the love of God? Isn't that how God is? Because 2 Peter 3 and 9 said that God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but God's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any of us should perish but have eternal life and, and come to repentance. Can I tell you today that God's long-suffering to us, that God is patient to Aren't you glad? I remember one time I was going to discipline Jonathan and I pulled him in. I just got done wearing being out and when I got him in there he looked up and he said, have patience dad. <laughs> and I, I just started laughing and I couldn't keep what the boy got out of it again. He's just, I don't know, he's just slick. And uh, poor Ben never learned to, he'd just stock up and say he'd take it like a man. But Jonathan whoop. Not him, he'd have a way of trying to trick you out of it. But God is a long-suffering God. God wants us to be long-suffering. Do you not think that he's long-suffering? Why is it that so many times uh, that we put so much on ourselves about we gotta have the fruits of the Spirit and we always should and we should wanna grow. We should wanna mature. But I wanna tell you the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, all of those things that are hard for us to live out in the flesh and those things that we are hard on ourselves about for having a lack of it, I wanna tell you the very God that put those fruits of the Spirit out there possesses those fruits and he operates and his character is revealed by the fruits that he commences. In other words, if he wants us to be long-suffering folks, that means he's long-suffering towards you. Can I have an amen? Thank, would you just thank God for his long-suffering and patience? Amen. Notice that the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 and he goes after that one lost sheep. This may not seem to be important unless it's you or one of your loved ones that's lost. Can I have an amen? John 10, listen to what Jesus said. He that is a hireling sees the wolf come and leaves the sheep and flees from them and the wolf catches them and scatters them abroad. The Bible says that there are hirelings that claim to be shepherds. And he said they are out for, to fleece the sheep for their own personal gain. He said they're just nothing but hirelings. They're there for the pay. They're there for the money. 
And he said, in the way that you'll know who's a good shepherd and who's a hireling, wait till the enemy shows up. Wait till the wolf shows up. And when the wolf shows up, the hireling's going to take off and leave the sheep. And the wolf is going to devour the sheep. But listen to what Jesus said about himself in John 10, verse 10 and 11. The thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. In other words, God will die before he abandons you. God is not going to abandon you. He is a God that will stick to you to the bitter end. He is a brother. He is a friend that sticketh closer even than a brother. I want you to know that the God that you serve will not, cannot abandon you because your, his banner over you is love. God loves you with an unconditional love. Can I have an Amen. No matter how bad you get, no matter what you do, no matter how far or strange you get from God, no matter how stupid you get. Did you know it don't take stupid people to do stupid things sometimes? Sometimes the nature of our flesh tricks us and we sin and we get in positions and we get into places that we never meant to get into and we find ourselves estranged from God. But I've got good news for you. You may have been estranged from him, but he's not estranged from you. He sees you right where you're at. He loves you that much. Amen. Our text said that this one of the lamb was lost. And notice where he was lost. It says that he was lost within the wilderness. The wilderness denoting the world. No, notice where the lamb was lost again. He was lost while traveling down the path, while feeding in the shepherd's pasture. He's in feeding along with the rest of the flock in the pasture of the Lord and becomes lost. He's not lost in a four country like that of the prodigal son that we'll get into in this few weeks, but he is lost in the grazing lands of the shepherd himself. The lamb was not lost by choice. He was not lost on purpose. He was not lost by a decision he made. He was lost, he was lost simply because he lost his way. Somehow this little lamb got sidetracked and he lost his sense of direction. There's been times when I've been out hunting and I just lost my sense of direction and I became lost. That's how this little lamb was. He had no desire to be lost, but he somehow had taken his eyes off of the shepherd and became distracted and became lost. Everybody says, well, shame on the little lamb. Well, I want to tell you, Peter done the very same thing and he was an apostle of the Lord. Can I have an amen? He took his eyes off of the Lord and got it on the storm and the Bible said he began to sink. Amen? Some of you are sinking because you took your eyes off the Lord. But there's a good thing. He that walks on the wings of the water and walks on the storm, waves of the storm, he's not taking his eyes off you. That's important. You see, it's important that we understand that it was a lamb that was lost in this parable. We got to understand that's vitally important. A lamb is a very innocent animal. They're not stubborn. They're not high-spirited. They're not self-willed like most animals. The lamb is a very gentle, trusting animal. They're easily led astray from the foe by predators. This is why that Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and 6, and referring to sheep being easily persuaded and vulnerable, vulnerable to being led astray, 
He said, all are we like sheep that have gone astray. We've turned everyone to their own side. In other words, he referred to us as sheep. He said, you can be vulnerable. You can be easily led away if you're a lamb, if you're a sheep. Now, he's talking to sheep. He's not talking to a son. He's not talking to the coin in this passage. He's talking to a lamb. He's saying, lamb, recognize who you are and recognize that you're easily led astray. I had a vision one time over on 9th and C, probably somewhere around 20 years ago. And I was in a shepherd's outfit. I had a shepherd's staff and there was a pen and the pen was full of sheep. But the difference, the one thing that I noticed about the pen, it had no gate. It had an entranceway, but it didn't have a gate or anything to shut in order to keep the sheep in. And in this vision or in, in this dream that I had, I had a big long shepherd's coat on that was real heavy and real warm. I took it off, I laid it in front of that gate and I laid down and I took the shepherd's staff and put it beside me and I fell asleep. And something awoke me and when, it was the, when I did, it was the sheep and they were very restless and they were jumping on the backs of each other trying to jump the fence and they were hitting the fence and they were running in circles and they were bleeding and making all kinds of loud noises. And I got up and I thought, uh-oh, what's wrong? And I looked around and a wolf was circling that pen. And it just kept, and it riled those sheep up. And I started screaming. I put on my coat and I got my staff and I started screaming, stay in the pen. Stay in the pen. It's going to be okay. Settle down. And I was trying to calm the sheep. One by one as I laid there, the sheep would come and it'd run and jump over me. I'd grab a hold of it and I'd throw it back in the pen. Another one would come and jump and I'd grab a hold of it and run. Some of them would get away from me. I'd get the staff and put it around its neck and pull it to me. I'd throw that sheep back over and I was wore out. And I kept screaming and I kept contending and begging the sheep, stay in the fold, stay in the fold, stay in the fold. And after, in the dream, two sheep got away from me and I was not able to throw them back in the pen. And finally I stood up and I just stood there. And man, I was, I, I finally calmed them by my presence. And the, and, and the wolf left and went after those two that had left and he devoured them. And there was nothing but a pile of wool left. That was all that was there. He literally devoured them. He destroyed them. That year, two people left our congregation in a bad way and they were destroyed. And I thought, oh God, let not the sheep of his pasture be estranged from the great shepherd. The great shepherd's there to care for you. He's there to protect you. He's there to love you. He's there to embrace you. He's there to put oil in your ears. He's there to put oil on your head. He's there to contend with the enemy that comes against you. Your great shepherd loves you. Can you say amen? Give the Lord praise because he's the good shepherd. Amen. Sheep are also sometimes come. I don't want to offend you, but it goes with me as well. Sometimes in Scripture, they're even called dumb or even ignorant. I want to tell you, sometimes we can be dumb. Sometimes we lose our senses. How many of you have ever done anything you've been embarrassed by? You got, had a dumb moment, didn't you? I'm going to say it. You had a blonde moment. I feel the heat coming from the kitchen. <laughs> Woo! Amen? We've all had those moments when we lost our bearings and made bad decisions because we never took the time to think it through. 
Some of us are like Peter. We don't ever stop to think things through and we speak before we think. And how many's ever said things you wish, oh my, I wish I could have grabbed a hold of that and pulled it back in. Because some of us are like Peter, we're just, you know, jump at the first chance without thinking and our actions and behavior show up and then we're sorry that we've done it. But this is why that Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53 and 7 when referring to Jesus Christ as a lamb with the kind of language that he did. Listen to what it says. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Now, he's not saying that Jesus was weak. He's not saying that Jesus was dumb, that Jesus was ignorant. But he is referring to you that as Jesus took on our sin and he went to the cross when he could have easily warded off the enemy, he became as a lamb and it looked like that he was dumb and that he was dying in vain and that he was not able to take care of himself. And he laid there and never even spoke a word and let them kill him. Come on now. Uh, he, therefore, he took on the na nature of a lamb so that the lamb could take on his nature. Isn't that powerful? The lamb of God that was slain before the foundations where he became like you so that you could become like him. Oh, that, that'll preach, won't it? A lamb is a very vulnerable animal. He's, this speaks of immaturity. The lamb is like a man that is weak, immature, and easily influenced. He's easily led astray. It speaks of a man that is pure within his heart, pure within his motives, pure within his desire, pure within his intentions, but somehow he's easily deceived. And is that possible to be pure in your heart, to have pure motives, to have pure intentions and still get tricked up? Absolutely. Every sin is not a sin of intention. You know what the word snared means? It means he was deceived. It wasn't that you just made up your mind to go out here and violate God. You were snared. You were tricked. You were deceived. You were seduced. And let me tell you, we're living in the last days when there is an uprising of seducing spirits. They're out to seduce the church. And lambs are very innocent, and if they're not careful, they will be seduced. This man is lost as a result of his ignorance. His sin is not the, that of an attitude or rebellion or of a stubborn spirit, but it's out of weakness. It is a man that has a righteous ambition, but he's weak in living it out. Have you ever wanted to do things but never found the power to do it? Have you ever had a desire to achieve something from God but come short of it in trying to do it? He didn't mean to get lost, this man didn't, or this sheep, but he finds himself away from the fold and the shepherd without even knowing how he even got there. Have you ever just found yourself in a lost condition and wake up and shake yourself and say, how in the world did I get here? What caused this? What has made me get into this position? What has caused me to be uh, estranged from God? What, why is my relationship not like it used to be? Why don't I have the manifestation of the presence of God like I once had. We've all questioned that, haven't we not? There's been times we have just found ourselves weak and vulnerable and we found ourselves becoming cold and indifferent and lukewarm and we found ourselves away from the fire of the Holy Spirit and we warmed ourselves by the fire like Peter did, the fire of the world. Come on. The sheep is easily seduced, tricked, deceived, tripped up because of his lack of understanding. 
He's easily led astray due to feelings, emotions, and circumstances. He goes by his feelings instead of by faith, and he goes by his, uh, he goes by his sight more than he does by faith. Let me tell you, folks, this is not a time to go on feelings. What I just felt, it don't matter what you feel, it's what you know. Come on now. Your feelings can lead you astray. You don't be led by emotions. You're led by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. You are not led by your sight. I'm going to give you a word of knowledge right here that's been given to me. Don't watch the news. There's so much propaganda out there. You are being brainwashed. You are being indoctrinated. What you come to hear over and over and over is what you become to believe. And what you become to believe will begin to be the governing factor of your behavior. Come on, whatever you think about yourself will be revealed through your action. Can I have an amen? He, this little lamb wasn't lost by choice, but rather his lostness is due to wrong decisions caused by a lack of spiritual understanding and spiritual enlightenment. He's immature. He's a man that has a heart to serve God, but he struggles in getting his life to do what his heart does desire. He's innocent in his failure because it wasn't of his choosing. His life is like one big roller coaster, a lot of highs, lows, ups, downs, and even ins and outs. There's no spiritual stability or maturity, and he lacks endurance. He don't know how to have endurance. He's a little lamb. He's immature. He's a young babe in Christ. He's not had the teaching of the word. He's not had the instruction of an elder. He's not had the experiences that some of us experience. So when you see someone fail, don't judge them on the level of your maturity. Look and see where that person's at and have compassion. Can I have an amen? He, was, he has the want to, but he doesn't have the know-how. Have you ever wanted to do something didn't have, know how to do it? Amen? Here's my problem. For Christmas, we used to always buy these kids things, and when you got it in, I'd say, Jenny, why didn't you make sure that wasn't put together before you bought that? Amen? And old Kent would go get his toolbox, pull it all out, put it out in the middle of the floor, take the instructions and throw it away. I'll put it together. Only for two days later, I'm going back to look for those instructions. Amen? And a lot of church people, they come into the fold, they get saved, they're all excited about serving Jesus, and they think all of their cares at Calvary that were rolled away, now they got a new start, a new slate, and they think it's going to be paradise, only to find out that if you don't get instruction and discipleship, that you're going to find yourself like a little lamb wandering around with a lot of bunch of failures that you intended never to have. You don't want them, but yet you don't really want to apply yourself to the instruction or the discipleship or the discipline in order to learn how to put it together to that which you desire to be able to be worked out in your life. God wants to disciple and mature the church here today. Can I have an Amen. This little lamb sets out to do good, but he's easily discouraged and easily sidetracked. He isn't a bad lamb. He's not even a sinful lamb. He's not an evil lamb. His heart's pure. 
He's just immature. His heart is tender, but it's too easy to be persuaded. And the enemy will take advantage of his heart. He's highly impressible. He wants to live right. He wants to do right, but he's hindered due to the lack of understanding and maturity. This lamb is lost while pasturing with the other lambs. Notice that. He drank the same water. He ate the same grass. He followed the same shepherd. But due to being highly impressible, he found himself not leaving the fold, but the fold leaving him. Let me give you a vivid picture of what the Lord just gave to me. I won't, I won't preach long, I promise you. This little lamb did not leave the fold. He didn't just see the fold and say, well, see you later, guys. I don't want to eat with y'all. He didn't look and make a decision. I don't like y'all guys. He just was feeding, grazing, keeping his head down, eating in the same pasture. The shepherd's out front. The other sheep are eating and looking up and following the shepherd. And all of a sudden, this flock moves away from this one little lost lamb. And when he wakes up, there's no one around. He just thought, well, where did everybody go? What's happened? And then he gets to looking for the shepherd, but can't find him because he's out of sight. He's out leading the other 99. While the fold went on to better feeding grounds and greater experiences, this lamb found itself lagging behind and lost, not only lost in the sense that he's away from the shepherd, but lost to the opportunity of what the other sheep were experiencing. He's not only lost in the sense that of his lack of alertness and his lack of watchfulness caused him to be lost, and he's out there by himself, more vulnerable now to the sheep or to the wolf as a sheep being vulnerable to a wolf. But now he's lost in the sense he's not eating the best feeding feeding grounds because he lost consciousness of where the shepherd was leading. Can I tell you one of the greatest responsibilities you have as a lamb is following the direction of a shepherd. Keep your eyes upon him. Can I have an amen? He he wasn't alert. He didn't pay attention. He was a daydreamer. When I was in school, 75% of my time was sleeping. Amen. I was a day, I, I, I couldn't focus on something about one minute of it. And my, my attention span was almost zero. And it's, I've paid a hefty price for that in pastoring. You know why? Because I had a girlfriend that helped me cheat and she helped change the grades for me so I could go on with ease. Don't ever help anybody cheat that don't help them. Amen. I'd skip school and she'd mark me present. But even though I thought I was getting by with it later on, I found a lot of lostness because I have now had to go back and try to train myself, educate myself, work hard in order to become a good leader. I've had to spend some horrible hours trying to play catch up. And I wished I would have paid more attention. But nevertheless... This little lamb wasn't able to keep up simply because he wasn't able to focus and stay alert to the shepherd's leading. Have you ever been talking to your son and say, well, they're not no more paying attention to me than a man on the moon? Have you? 
My wife is always saying, you don't listen to me. I said, I heard every word you said. You were hearing, but you wasn't listening, and there's a difference. How many hears a lot, but don't listen a lot? How many, everybody's pointing to their husband. Are we all creatures like that? Amen. How many ever get bored with a movie right in the middle of it and switch it and go to another? How many, as a channel surfer, it's because you got a, you got a problem with attention. You don't like to stay very, somewhere very long. My wife says, how can you keep up? I said, man, I can watch three movies at a time. Man, I'm smarter than you are. You only watch one at a time. I get to be able to know how to How many ever watch Hallmark? Come on, raise your hand. I figure those movies out in the first five minutes. Now, I don't know what that's got to do with anything in my message. But this is the sad part. I'll move on because I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time here. One of the saddest things is this, that a lot of times there are people that come into a congregation and they get born again and they get saved and they become a family unit, but the problem of it is, is if they're not careful, they're not able to keep up with the pace of the church and grow with the pace of the church and the church outgrows them and they become lost. One of the things that a preacher told me a long time ago, and he said, one of the things that's going to bother you the most as a pastor, and that is that there is going to be people that helped you to get where you're at now, but they're not able to go where you're going. And you'll lose them. The very people that helped you get to a certain point of maturity or a certain level in the spirit realm or to a certain dimension They have the ability to get you there, but then that's where they stop. They're not able to be progressive enough to move forward. And when you start outgrowing them, they become resentful and they end up leaving the church or causing you problems. Because the moment you outgrow them, you start challenging them. And if they will not adhere to the challenge, then they're not able to keep up. They begin to lose heart they feel like that they have no purpose anymore and they'll revert back and go back and find a place in which they can be comfortable. That's why a lot of times it's very hard to pastor a mega church or a larger church. It's because it takes spiritual people to grow in a mega church. Come on, somebody help me preach right here. I'm pastoring here this morning. I want to tell you folks, right now, one of the hardest things to understand is the church has to keep going forward. It has to keep progressing. The church that stops growing is a church that dies. Now the problem of it is how do we grow and in the context of growth, help the immature catch up where we're at and be able to digest the same food that we do digest in the same feeding grounds. That's a challenge. It's very difficult. It's very hard. There are many that aren't able to keep up because they are easily sidetracked. They lose focus or they get in ruts. And those ruts they don't like to get out of and they don't like change. So what happens? They don't grow. And they become lost from the fold. Then there's something else that really got my attention. I have to skip a lot of this because of time. 
But one of the things when I was studying years ago about sheep, I went to Psalms 23 and I studied about David being a shepherd and we, and of course God being the shepherd and we being the sheep of his pasture. There's a lot there and I've done a series on Psalms 23. And out of that series, I come across some material that was very interesting about shepherds, shepherds writing certain things about the nature and the behavior of sheep. And one of the things that happens is, is that it's not uncommon for a lamb or a, a, some sheep to be lost from the fold. That's very common. And, and when he begins to examine the sheep, he finds that there are a certain amount of sheep missing and the shepherd, out of his love, goes back for the sheep. Why? Because they're his own. And I like that word, it's his own. And I like where it says, if any man of you, and if, if I had time to break it down, I would show you that this is not just the responsibility of a shepherd going after a sheep. It says, what manner of man of you, if you own some sheep, how many knows that you are your brother's keeper and that God's not just talking about the responsibility of me being a shepherd going after people, but this church is their brother's keeper. And when a lamb is lost, it's your responsibility to love that lamb that's lost enough to go find Find out where that lamb's at and find it and bring that lamb back in. Sheep begins beget sheep. Now, I wish I had time to preach that, but notice, it's not only love of a shepherd to go after the one that's lost, but it's love enough to notice that he's lost. Haven't you ever heard somebody say these words? I've been gone from church for six weeks and no one's ever even called me. You know how that wounds a sheep that nobody? This sheep shepherd had 99. He could have easily just said, hey, man, I got enough sheep. I don't need that one. He's an irritation anyway. He's a bother. Because statistics say by shepherd's own writing that when a lamb is lost and if another one comes up lost, 99% of the time it'll be that same old sheep. It'll be the same old lamb. It'll be the same old group. Time after time, that shepherd will count them. Oh, I got four missing. And he automatically knows it's the same four. Or it's that same one. He's looking. He's observing over. He loves his sheep enough to take count of them. But then he loves enough to have action and say, I'm going to leave the 99 and go after the one. You know what that means? That every single one of us is valuable and that God's not a respecter of person and God does not love one more than another. Amen? God loves us the same. He leaves the 99 and he goes, finds that lamb. And you know what the Bible says? The lamb's scared, it's nervous, it's been out there by itself. He picks it up, he loves on it, puts it upon his shoulders, and he carries it back, and he places it among the other sheep. He goes on his journey, three weeks later, he looks around, counts his sheep, uh-oh, got a lamb that's missing. You know what happens? He goes and looks, yep. He probably has a nickname for it. He says, oh, Squatfoot, he's missing again. So here he goes after old Squatfoot, and he goes and he finds old Squatfoot, picks it up, loves on him, and brings him back again. Two or three weeks pass. Uh-oh, got somebody missing. And I can hear the other sheep. It's Squatfoot. 
Amen? Beware, the other sheep will tell off on you. That'll preach, won't it? They don't have enough care to hang him in there and help disciple him, but they'll tell off on him when he's doing something wrong. They'll put him on Facebook. How dare anybody cut somebody down on Facebook? That's not Christian. So he goes after the lamb again and he picks it up. Say, well, how, how many times does he do this? Well, he does have a strategy for the sheep that keeps doing that. Finally, when he gets enough of it and he says, he ain't learning, it's my last resort. I've been patient. I've been loving. What does he do? Just say, forget it and walk on? No. He still loves him. His love drives him with compassion. I can't just leave him lost. I can't just leave him to the wolves. He's my sheep, part of my pasture, part of my flock. Our DNA is he belongs to me. Come on. So what does he do? That shepherd goes back, gets him. He ain't gonna like this. Bam, he breaks his leg. Carries him back, puts a splint on it, Puts him down by his side. Say, what kind of a shepherd would break a lamb's leg? A shepherd that loves him enough because he would rather see him wounded than destroyed. God's not in the, uh, God's not in the uh, desire of wounding people, but he is in the desire of saving people. And if a lamb is going to go keep wandering off, he would rather wound him and see him saved than destroy him. And when he breaks that, lamp, that lamb's leg and he puts a splint on it, it puts it beside him. They say it automatically does subconscious, something subconscious in the mind of that lamb. That lamb begins to understand its vulnerability and its need for the shepherd's care. And from that time on, that lamb automatically learns by that bad experience through his suffering how much in need he is to that shepherd. And he learns to keep his eyes upon that shepherd and they said that little lamb will never ever wander off again. And can I tell you what the Holy Spirit told me? The Holy Spirit told me that there are all kinds of people that are like these little innocent lambs. They're not evil. They're not ungodly. They have a good desire. They got a good heart, but they're weak in some areas and they're vulnerable in some areas and they have some strongholds that keep buffeting them, that keep keeping them trapped and enslaved. And they're like a roller coaster. One minute they're hotter than a firecracker. The next minute they're colder than a grave. One minute they're in, one minute they're out, and the lambs are constantly going in and out, and the shepherd's constantly running after them. People are running after them. People are loving for them. People are caring for them, and they're just still this little immature lamb that keeps making the same old mistakes. God says, I'm out to rid you of your strongholds. I am a shepherd that will leave the 99 as many times as I have to to get you, but I will break your leg if I have to. Would you stand with me this morning, please? I'm sorry I didn't get through half of my teaching this morning, but I got to the part. I felt the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to get to. God looks over this congregation this morning with compassion. Right now, 
They say there is an abandonment of the church like never before due to the things that's going on in our world because fear is driven. They've lost their faith in prophets. They've lost their faith in the experiences of God. They felt like that God has abandoned them. Everything they believed has been shattered and people are leaving the church by the, by the thousands in their experience and the flip side of the coin, and I said this would happen, yet the sinner out there is becoming frightened and scared while the saints are leaving, the sinners are flocking the church. We got a lot of little lambs that need nurturing. We got a lot of little lambs that we need to search for. I can't search for all of them. It's impossible with the over a thousand people. I can't do it. I need your help. But I want to tell you right now here today, if you're a lamb and you say, oh, Brother Miller, oh, the Lord, I find myself tricked up from all the time. I find myself stubbing my toe and then it leads to something else and then it leads to something else and before long, I find myself snared. I find myself trapped. I find myself doing the things I don't want to do, seeing the things I don't want to see, going to places I don't want to go with, hanging around the people I don't want to hang around with. I find myself one minute burning hot and worshiping and praising the Lord, and then the next minute I find myself cold and indifferent, and then when they do do that, there are certain self-righteous lambs that we'll get into later in another parable where they'll look and they'll say, ah, look at old Snatchfoot. God's here to give you this message because he loves you. He's here to heal you. God's will is that nobody's leg be broken. That's his last option. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's kind. He's gentle. He's temperate. He's self-controlled. And when God breaks your leg, he does not do it out of anger. He does it out of love. I was sitting here in the church the other morning and I was just going over these notes and I thought, oh God, there's so many because of what's going on right now. And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, yep, I broke America's leg. I thought, oh, I never thought of it in that light. The gods had to bring suffering to America to wake up the lamb and arouse the lamb to where America will see the need of staying close to the shepherd. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Those of you that's got vices, anger, jealousy, wrath, unforgiveness, bitterness, alcoholism, drug abuse, pornography, whatever it is. Bring it to the lamb before you're lost. Or bring it to the shepherd before you're lost and the shepherd has to go look for you. Say, I'm tired of being snared. I'm weak. I'm vulnerable. I know I am. I find myself like a roller coaster. I do go on my emotion and my feelings and by sight more than I do by faith. I've not learned how to live it out yet. I'm working on it. I want it. I desire it. I hunger for it. Be man enough and woman enough to just say, hey, I'm, I'm fighting some battles. 
I need my brothers. I need my sisters to come alongside of me, make me accountable, love on me, show me the way, correct me, love me, edify me, instruct me, whatever it takes. I don't want to be lost from the shepherd because there is a possibility that while you're out there and the shepherd is looking for you, the wolf can devour you like he devoured those two that got out of the fold. The wolf's looking for you to leave the foe because in, in, the, in the multitude of counselors, in the multitude of numbers, there's safety. So right now, I want every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're a lamb, that means, you're a, that means you belong to God. It means you've been born again. It means you've been saved. I want you to do me a favor. If you're struggling with anything, Maybe you're just struggling with hurt. You've been divorced. Your life's been shattered. Maybe there's some injustices going on. Maybe you're being abused. I don't know what it is. It could be thousands of different things, and no one has to know. But would you just step out and just say, I need the attention of a shepherd. I need the attention of the rest of the flock. I want somebody to minister to me. I want somebody to help me. I don't want to lose my priority. I don't want to lose what's important in life. I don't want to get misfocused. I don't want to chase something that's going to end up biting me. I don't want to lose my priority to where the cares of life overtake me and I become choked and I become fruitless and I become useless to the kingdom of God. I want to be the child of God that God wants me to be. I want everything that God has for my life. But I don't want a broken leg. I don't want my leg broken. I just want to come before him and let him love on me. Hallelujah. I want him to minister to me. I don't want to take his presence for granted. I want to stay close to the shepherd. I want to seek him. I want to desire him. Those of you that may not even be saved and you're here, God wants to save you and make, a part, make you a part of his pasture. He wants you to come into the fold so that you can become one of his own to where he can care for you and love you and protect you and shelter you. Is there any others this morning? I need some altar workers that know what they're doing. People of love and people of compassion. People that are shepherders in heart that would just gather around these and begin to love on them and pray them with them and help them. Understand that they're hurt, they're wounded, they're disappointed, they're struggling, they're fighting, they're they're. they're, they're they're, they're trying to keep their head above waters. I need you to pray the prayer of faith with them. You may even have to endure with them for a while, run with them a while, take note of where they're at. Can I have an amen? Oh, hallelujah.